Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Sue Bergeson. I'm the CEO of Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. I live with a mood disorder, and I am thrilled to be talking to you about something that I put together when I was invited to New Orleans to talk to people who lived in homeless shelters about coping with depression. Clearly, I couldn't say, go see your doctor. There are no doctors there. Clearly, I couldn't say, here are 10 things you can do that cost a lot of money. I had to think of things that we could do that are cheap, that are free, that are easy, that can help move us forward on our wellness journey. So I put together this um, little presentation that I'm going to share with you on 20 low-cost or free things you can do to help you cope with depression, bipolar disorder. So the first thing I have to say is, don't try and treat this on your, on your own. Make sure that you are, if you are able, you are going to see your doctor. And if you are suicidal, you must call 911 and get immediate help. Um, please do not try and cope with that simply by waiting. Your life is far too important. Having said those two things, let me share with you my ideas for 20 things that you can do that are free or cheap. The first thing I want to mention is you need to watch your sleep. Those of us living with these illnesses are extremely sensitive to being too tired or overtired. So if you haven't already done this, create a discipline about going to bed on time and getting up at the same time every day. If you need help, think about using earplugs. They're very cheap. I can get a hundred of them for less than 10 bucks. Think about using an eye mask if you need to. Make sure you avoid caffeine before you go to bed. Make sure you avoid exercise or eating. Um, perhaps using a simple meditation like a prayer, those things can help you relax. But sleep is the number one thing that I would recommend to you as something free you can do that helps your mood. The second thing is do one thing. So with our illnesses, we get stuck a lot. We feel lost and hopeless. So sometimes saying, I'm going to do one thing, and it almost doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to get out of the house. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to do anything I can do that helps me get unstuck. You can uh, create a list for the week with simple things. Do one thing. That helps you, again, feel empowered and helps you move forward in your life. So the third thing I suggest is find one thing to appreciate. No matter how many bad things are happening to us, there are good things around us. They may be hard to find. Our life may be in such a bad place that it's a lot easier to find 100 bad things. But if you can find one good thing, my dog loves me. I saw um, a flower outside today blooming. It didn't rain today. Um, I was able to uh, pay for my electricity bill today. Find one good thing and practice the sense of appreciation about your life using that discipline of finding one good thing. We want to spin our lives and see things differently instead of focusing always on the pain. Focus on the one thing you can appreciate. A third suggestion I have that's free or cheap is, and I don't like this one, exercise. Uh, we know that there's a link between mood and exercise. Obviously, it's not something I'm very good at, but I do walk my dog every day. I do at least get out and move. Exercise can help um, elevate our mood. It can help us from feeling paralyzed. It's a good thing to put into your life. 
The fifth suggestion I have is journal. It doesn't cost a thing, really, to journal. You can get pieces of paper that have already been printed on. You can use a spiral notebook. You don't have to have a fancy blank book. A journal every day. And at first it's going to feel very weird because you're not used to writing down your thoughts. But what a journal can do for you is it can help get those things in your head down on paper. And you can look at them and say, is this real for me? Do I really believe this? You can also look at it over a period of time and say, look at how I've moved forward in my life. Or, if things are bad, you can look back and say, things are not always bad. There are good days. So journaling is a practice that is cheap, it's almost free, and something that can help you move your wellness. The sixth thing I have is something that our chapter people know very well, and that's peer support. It's really important. Studies have shown that when you have a peer, someone who knows and who has the lived experience, who has also been there, when you have that, you're more likely to get well. You're more likely to take your medication because you have someone who says, okay, are you on track? You have someone who can help you in those bad times. A peer understands it the way no one else does. If you're not a part of the DBSA support group network, we've got them all over the country. We've also got them online. You can become a part of this. It's free, it's simple, it's easy to do, and it can really help move your wellness forward. There are places, my seventh thing is, there are places you can call for, for help with free or low-cost medication. Now, I would say to you that the best thing to do is to go on our website for a full list of all of these places. Um, because I have a list here of maybe 10, maybe 15 places you could go to call for free or low-cost medication. So go online, look that up. If you're having a hard time paying for your meds, don't use that as an excuse not to move your wellness forward because there are ways that you can get that for nothing or for very little. Then I would suggest that you do some mood tracking. DBSA has free mood trackers, calendars that are paper and pencil things you can use. We're also just about to launch our free online mood trackers. What's a mood tracker? Well, every day, it's a simple calendar, and every day you can indicate on that calendar how you're doing. What's going on with you? It can be very um, simple. You could say, my mood is high or low. You could put a number from one to 10, or you could check some boxes. You could say, I know that I struggle a lot with uh, irritability. So you might say, my irritability is high. You might say that I couldn't sleep. You might indicate some side effects. Why is this helpful? Again, many of us don't know when we're slipping down because it's so subtle and so gradual, and let's face it, often we just feel bad. But if we can track our moods, we get an early warning. We can look at how it compares with yesterday, and we get early warning so we can do the things we need to do to elevate our mood. We might exercise some more. We might reach out to a peer. We might even talk to our doctor about adjusting our meds. I don't know about you, but often I'm not aware when my meds stop working. So a mood tracker can help you identify what's going on. It can also be a really great tool for you to use to communicate to your doctor. I don't know about you, but when I go to the doctor, they say, how are you? And I think about the last 20 minutes sitting in the, in the, the little room. I don't think about the arc of time since I've been there last. And a mood tracker can allow you to give that tool to your doctor and say, this is how I am. 
and then together you can make the best decisions possible. So that's a free thing that you can do that really helps. The ninth thing on my list is meditation. That's a, a practice a discipline that you can begin to practice. It can um, keep your attention focused in positive ways, keeps you in the present moment. I'm reading something that says, when the mind is calm and focused in the present, it's neither reacting to memories in the past, just something we do a lot, or worried about plans for the future was another thing we do a lot. It keeps you here, present right now. Now, on this website, you're going to be able to find a wonderful couple sessions done by Ed Knight, who is one of the gurus in the field on meditation. He's uh, got the lived experience, and he's been one of the people in the forefront of helping the mental health recovery movement go forward. He uses meditation a lot, but let me share with you just a few things you can do to start the meditation process. Choose a quiet spot and eliminate distractions. Pick a focus word or a short phrase if you like that. Close your eyes to keep things calm. Relax your muscles from head to foot. Breathe slowly and naturally. You might count your breaths, or you might use your focus word or phrase. And um, assume a listening attitude. Don't worry about how well you're doing. Just bring yourself back to the meditation and return to the repetition. That's a very fast thing, but again, I really um, encourage you to seek out what we have on this website on meditation for the guru's insights. The tenth thing on my list is prayer. For many of us, prayer is not the same thing as meditation. Now, I don't know what your spiritual orientation is. It may be um, something that's very close to you. It may not. But prayer can be extremely helpful for us to move forward when we're living with stress or depression or anxiety. Um, Soren Kierkegaard says, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. So the very act of praying can be helpful. You'll get the most benefit from prayer if you do it every day, same time every day. Um, pray for others as well as yourself. Sometimes our illnesses have us focusing only on us, but prayer is most helpful when we also pray for others. And don't think consciously, just let the prayer flow. So my 11th idea is pay attention to the power of time. When I'm uh, very ill, and even when I'm suicidal, I have to allow time to go by and not get caught up in how I'm feeling at this moment, but to remind myself that tomorrow will most likely be just a little bit better. And the day after that will be a little bit better. Time does heal. Allowing time to go by when we're in those bad places, doing everything we can do, doing all our wellness tools, but not panicking, just allowing time to go by can be a very helpful wellness tool. My 12th one is maybe my favorite one. Uh, some of you uh, who maybe were looking at my blogs noticed that I have a little dog called Cassie, short for Cassiopeia. So pet therapy is one of my very favorite things. If you don't have a dog or a cat, you can go to a shelter and you can walk a dog or a cat if you don't have allergies or something. You can go to a friend's house and be with a dog or a cat. There is nothing as amazing and as uber loving as a little furry thing or a big furry thing to tell you, you are amazing, you are great. You can cry into their fur, you can receive as much love as you give, so pet therapy is very, very helpful. 
in past conferences, we've actually had people come who are experts in looking at recovery dogs and mental health dogs. And, and that is a field that is worth exploring if that's something that you love. My 13th thing on the list is kind of an interesting one to get your head around, and I call it pessimistic optimism. I take this from the story of Admiral John, Jim Stockdale. And Jim Stockdale was tortured over 20 times during his eight-year eight year imprisonment in Vietnam. He survived to become just this incredibly important leader within our country. And he credits being pessimistically optimistic for allow, helping him survive what he went through. He absolutely believed that things would get better. That's the optimistic part. But he didn't expect them to get better soon. And that's the pessimistic part. He says that people who said, I'll be free by Easter, were the ones who broke down the fastest. Because Easter would come and go and they wouldn't be free. But the people who absolutely knew that they would get free, but didn't place any unrealistic expectations, were the ones who survived. And I think that's real for our illness. If we know, we will get better. But tomorrow comes and we're not feeling great, then we're not going to break as fast. It's okay. We can be pessimistically optimistic, or optimistically pessimistic, however you like to phrase that. My 14th thing on the list comes from uh, a friend and mentor, Peter Ashenden, who teaches me that kindness is one of the most important things that we can focus on with our illnesses. Because in our illnesses, we focus a lot on ourselves, and we also have side effects or symptoms that are very irritable, they're very moody. But if we practice the discipline of kindness, we can focus on someone other than ourselves. We can overcome the problems of being grumpy or irritable. It's a discipline that becomes, it starts as something very simple, but becomes very complicated that is extremely important for our wellness. My 15th thing on the list is foods and moods. Some of you are aware that different foods can affect us in different ways. People can be very sensitive to sugar. Some people have food allergies. But um, we were told uh, in one of our conferences that certain foods really can help us. And actually, uh, one of our speakers talked about eating a bear diet. She said that eating things like salmon, nuts, blueberries, those things that are naturally high in omega-3s are going to be very helpful for us. Other people have said things like dark chocolate is good, not as much sugar, but still some of the benefits. Um, nuts and seeds, avocados, dried apricots, bananas, kidney beans, won't see me eating those, sorry, uh, spinach, things like that can be helpful for our mood. So another thing to look at. The 16th thing I have on my list is using music as a wellness tool. Some people love music, some people don't. But a radio is not an expensive thing to have. And uh, going to an outdoor concert, some of us are close to uh, free city concerts, is a simple way to help us um, move our wellness. I find concentrating on lyrics can really help me. Um, sometimes uh, Bon Jovi songs have really great things in them. Sometimes I listen to Lorena McKennett with some really soul-searching things. But they can help me move my mood forward and help me think about what's going on. The 17th time on the list, spend time with a friend. When we're depressed or anxious, we often isolate ourselves. If you force yourself out, 
You don't even have to talk about how you're feeling. You can walk to the movie, you can go to the mall, you can sit and uh, have a cup of coffee. Force yourself to be with people who care about you. 18, and we're getting close to the end, break your negative self-talk. Hardest thing in the world. Um, we might have negative self-talk that says, I'm a jerk, I can't do this, I'm hopeless. When you talk to yourself and using this negative self-talk, um, do a couple of things. Say, how do I know that's true? So I might say, I am the ugliest person in the world. I have to say to myself, how do I know? Did I line everybody up? Did I figure out where I was? Did I come in at the end? Break the self-talk by asking the question. So what makes it, it true? Are there other explanations for this self-talk? Here's another thing to ask. Would a person say this to another person? If not, why am I saying it to myself? Number three, what do I get out of this? If it makes me feel badly about myself, why not stop thinking about it? The fourth thing is, how can you prove it to be true? Would someone who cares about me agree with this? Are you sure? What's the proof? Does it help my emotional growth to think this way? What benefit do I receive? What does this thought keep me from doing? So break the thought, find out if it's true, and then let it go. Um, another strategy you can use is replacing the negative thought with a positive one. So every time you say something negative, you force yourself to say something positive. That can be a hard thing to do, but that's another strategy that you can use. So my next thing, uh, my 19th thing, is something we don't talk about here a lot, and I call it the S word. And that is S for suicide. So when that's happening to you, um, make sure that you're paying attention. Suicidality is a fairly frequent kind of a symptom. Remind yourself that your brain is lying to you. It just is. Allow yourself to break that suicidal um, thinking by saying, I don't have to act on this. I can think it, I won't act. If you find that this is a serious thing, that you feel overpowered by this thought, make a call, tell somebody it's going on. You must do this because you should not take your life for a momentary thing that's happening to you where your brain is lying to you. So here's a number to call, 1-800-273-TALK or 800-273-8255. And that's a national suicide helpline. These people are trained all across the country. But make sure if that little S word is plaguing you that you, number one, break the thought, your brain is lying to you. Number two, reach out for help if you need it. The third thing I would suggest to you is make a plan in advance. Many of us are kind of in a well spot and then we spiral down. When you're in that well place, make a plan for what you know that you can promise yourself you'll do if you're coping with suicide. There are a couple ideas on our website. You might uh, look under dbsalliance.org backslash brochures for a couple brochures that can help you make that plan. Remember, you're not alone. Most of us living with these illnesses will struggle with this, but don't let it take your life. The 20th thing I have on my list, last but not least, is find the gift. These are not Ill great illnesses to have. Often we think, why me? 
Why am I stuck with this? Why do I have to get up this morning and not know what my day is going to be like? Because I'm living with this illness. It feels very unfair. But here's the deal. There's always a gift somewhere. Take the time, make the discipline to figure out where the gift is in your life. Is this help, excuse me, is this helping you get more honest about your feelings? Is this helping you communicate um, with a friend? Does this help you connect in ways that you haven't connected in before? I tell you I'm a very independent person, but with my illness, I can't afford to be. One of the gifts is that I'm forced to depend on other people, even though I would normally not do that. There's a gift for me. So take the discipline, find out the gift of having this illness, and make that part of your work as well. So there are my 20 ideas for you that are free or cheap. I hope they're somewhat helpful for you. I'd love to hear from you what your ideas are that can help all of us living with these illnesses. Thanks. Bye.